If you were to take a peek at random entries in his diary, 1969 seemed to have been a fairly humdrum year for Reg Dwight. A moon-faced 21-year-old going on 22, from the northwest London suburb of Pinner, he cut a vaguely beetleish figure in his bull haircut and Lennon-inspired penny-round glasses. His pleasures were simple, getting up early on Sunday mornings to play soccer, reading his collections of magazines on World War II and the old master painters, going to the cinema and returning home to jot down his thoughts on the films he'd seen. January 17th, Sunday. Saw Lady in Cement. Good. Secret Life of an American Wife. Lousy. Music, however, was his obsession. Reg's pokey bedroom in the small flat at 30A From Court, Pinner Road, where he lived with his mother Sheila and stepfather Fred, was a virtual record library. Approximately 1,400 singles, 300 LPs, and 100 EPs, which he lovingly played and cleaned and cataloged. There was an expression for people like him, who were utterly entranced by the sounds magically emanating from revolving black plastic discs. It's called vinyl in the blood, he'd proudly state. His mum laughed and called him an old hoarder. Reg wouldn't ever let anyone borrow any of his records, for fear of them being scratched. He would get annoyed if anyone else even touched them. To feed his obsession, he helped out unpaid at Musicland a large record shop on the corner of Barrack and Knoll Streets in Soho, the seedy and thrillingly boho heart of London. Reg would drop in, have a cup of tea, then get behind the counter. Often he'd wait there until late in the evening for the deliveries to come in, especially the American imports. In October 68, he'd hung around for hours to get his hands on a copy of Jimi Hendrix's head-spinning double LP, Electric Ladyland. In April of that year, he stayed on until nine o'clock at night in eager anticipation of the arrival of Leonard Cohen's stark second album, Songs from a Room. There was a fetishistic element to Reg's record collecting. He much preferred the thicker American cardboard covers to the flimsier British ones. He'd been delighted to discover that Laura Nero's wildly eclectic, piano-driven Eli and the Thirteenth Confession came with a lyric sheet perfumed with scented ink. He'd admit to anyone that when he was a solitary child, records had been his friends, and so they remained. Sometimes the outside world wasn't so friendly. In a violent disruption of his unremarkable everyday existence, one night, returning to Pinner from Soho, diffident, bespectacled Reg had been beaten up. April 12th, Saturday, went into Musicland, got duffed up on the way home, went straight to bed. Ten days later, perhaps not coincidentally, he became the proud owner of a boxy vehicle which would ferry him around in comparative safety. April 22nd, Tuesday. Got home tonight to find that Auntie Wynne and Mum had bought me a car. Hillman Husky Estate. Superb. In reality, Reg's life wasn't as ordinary as it seemed. The year before, he'd begun living a strange, parallel existence as Elton John, his stage name, and increasingly exaggerated persona. Stepping out of the shadows of Bluesology, the band in which for three years he'd been an enthusiastic, if often teeth-grindingly frustrated member, hammering away in the corner on his Vox Continental organ, he harbored a strong desire 
Highly unlikely, you'd think, if you were to take just one look at him, to become a pop star. Sometimes this shy and funny individual would suddenly erupt with excitement at the very thought. I'm going to be a star, do you hear me? He'd loudly declare, with comic drama, as if assuming the role of a bradish character in a hackneyed rags-to-riches Hollywood biopic. A star! <laughs>